the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering, folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation second to none whether you're in rhode island or massachusetts call jkl engineering today estimates are free financing is available for both residential and commercial call my friends at jkl 401-351-7600 remember estimates are free financing is available let's be nice and comfortable in your home jkl 401-351-7600 Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508 508- 336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508 336 7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor, or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. 
You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Folks, it's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Join me. He's the managing editor, OceanStateCard.com. Justin Katz. Justin, uh, the state, we have moved into phase three. It is a little bit lower, uh, but some of the numbers than the, the governor thought. But uh, let's start off with just how do you think the state is managing in this uh, so-called phase three? Well, I so far, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference. I mean, as you say, the governor did reduce the number. Uh, for crowds inside and outside by quite a lot. I mean, we were talking, we were talking hundreds at one point for phase three in outdoor settings, and now it's less than a hundred, no matter where you are in most circumstances. Uh, that was kind of concerning to me because one of the one of the things I thought the governor did pretty well, especially compared with other places, is that she had laid out here are the the numbers we're going to be looking at in order to make our decisions. And based on those numbers, she had laid out, here's what we're going to do in phase three. Phase three was on about to arrive and the numbers were better than they had to be. And yet she scaled back. And basically it showed to me we're we're really operating on the governor's gut instincts and she's using facts and numbers kind of to back it up when she can, but otherwise she's just going to, uh, adjust as, as she sees fit. And I think that goes, goes a, quite, a, quite closely with her, her kind of continuing attitude of, you know, young people are getting the, uh, getting the virus more. And so, you know, I, I need you to do better, she says. And she also said that um, if, if we don't continue to follow the rules, she's going to have to shut down the economy again. And that, I mean, put aside even the hypocrisy that she went out into a rally and displayed her, herself, her chief of staff, David Ortiz, her husband, everybody around her was without masks and not social distancing and holding hands. Um, For her to come out and be saying that kind of thing is is kind of a, a kick in the teeth. But beyond that, just the, this whole attitude of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to change everything. I, I think that's really not where we, we need to be. And it's certainly not in line with the claim that we're basing everything on science and, and facts. Do you think that her um, doing that that time at the rally, that that still has come back? Uh, Justin, it is interesting. You still all these months. Well, it's a month later. You do hear people that uh, continue to mention that. You wonder if that was a, a pivotal time for a lot of people that just felt that after that, like, well, forget it. If she's if she's going to go to that protest and not wear the mask, then I'm not going to wear a mask. I think so. And I think people are looking at um, surges in some place nationally. And, you know, you, you, you really can't get a definitive answer of this caused this. But people, I think you, you do see nationally and at the state level, people do feel like, well, you know, we shut down for months. Uh, people didn't get to see be with their loved ones when they were dying. And here we are, a protest is okay. The governor's going out there uh, to, to give a speech and pray during a, a protest. Uh, I, think it, I think it does continue to have an effect. And I think, I mean, Rhode Islanders seem to be unusually compliant, uh, but the, uh, I, I think a lot, for a lot of people, just that was kind of the uh, watershed moment when they saw, you know, this is, 
there's something not right here. And I, I think that's one, if we were to get a surge, I, th I think you'd start to see more. It'd be, it'd be a little harder than it was the first time to shut down because there's at least some significant portion of the population just is not, is not buying it anymore. You know what I find also, um, and folks, again, our segment is politics this week with me. It's Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCar.com. Justin, I also find that a lot of people can't follow. There, there, there has been a lot of information. It has been changing. There's not one source you can go for things. So, for instance, someone even asked me, I have different people that I talk to out of state, and they say, now, gyms, gyms open in Rhode Island. And I... I don't remember if gyms are allowed open in Rhode Island, but I also, when I'll do a Facebook live, I'll see someone, they'll put a comment and they'll say directly to me, you're not wearing your mask. And, and I'm there alone. I'm outside, but, and I don't think they're being like a wise guy. I, I just don't think people can, can grasp all the different changes of when you're supposed to, when you're not supposed to. I mean, to me, that seems you know, well, of course I'm not. I'm alone and I'm outside. Why would I be wearing a mask? But I, I don't think people have been able to stay up with how all of this is supposed to work. I, I think they, they almost give the general public like a little almost, I think, a little bit too much credit. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's hard to, to keep track. And when, when you're talking about um, slight adjustments, it's an interesting point. I think it it does suggest that people are doing what they think is reasonable. And if that happens to coincide with the governor's orders, right. um, then that's fine. It reminds me, my uncle once told me a joke about a, a dog, his dog was, would not listen to him, but every now and then he would wait till it looked like the dog was going to sit and he would say, sit. And you say, see, he's following instructions. Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we, I, we could be seeing to some extent. I know during, during the holiday weekend uh, times going to the beach or, or cookouts, I didn't see, very many people wearing masks. So I don't think I saw any. I mean, granted, people were there with their families, but it's they're out in social settings. Some of them looked like they were extended families. Um, I, I people more and more people are going to do. I think what, what's reasonable to them, uh, especially in, in during summer, that's possible. Once we start getting back into uh, where the governor's got a stronger fist to hold everything with education and that sort of thing. Uh, so it'd be interesting if she did try to shut down the economy to see whether people would actually listen to her. You do see some states, specifically California is the biggest example. They were going forward, then they've gone back and they re-shut it down. From what I understand and talking to different people out there, it's very, very frustrating. People then can't believe it. And then uh, you had a situation in New Jersey where initially the governor said he was going to allow inside dining. And then all of a sudden, the last minute, he would not allow inside dining and the restaurants went ballistic simply because they had bought you know extra supplies and food and things like that and then it's you just uh you have to throw it out so um a lot of the uh the governors that have been especially like governor newsom at one point he had a 85 percent approval rating um they've seen them come down much more to earth since this thing has had it's like uh stop and starts so but justin what does it say to you also that there is still no there's no budget i mean they're talking about a budget but this um this is a different time where they're basically gambling that there will be a second stimulus. Other than that, the governor does say that there'll be the only options will be bad options. But right now the state really has no plan for the new fiscal year that we're in. It does make Rhode Island seem less like an independent state and more like something of a, a feudal vassal 
state where we really we can't operate without the federal government coming in and saving us and that ought, that ought to say something and i think uh, there ought to be more more demands for our elected officials to figure out how to chart these waters that's kind of the dropping the ball and we don't have very high expectations of, of our government and how how well they'll be able to run things which is kind of weird given that we're we're allowing them to tell us what to do to such a great extent what did your um, what was your impression that Kathy Gregg of the journal found out when asked about it at the press briefing the governor said nope we were transparent it's right there online that's how you can see it but Kathy Gregg stumbled into that through all of this a company started to do work for free and then they become the consultant of here's how you handle the amount of uh, money that they received so no granted it was a large sum of money but there was a company that did receive um uh two i think it's close to two million dollars so um was that money well spent or do you feel somehow still the Ramundo people were not that transparent well i i don't think we can know whether how well it was spent because we don't know what this company specifically has added to the the many many employees the governor already has i mean the number that jumped out at me of that two million was it comes down to twenty five thousand dollars per person embedded in our state's government per week and that's a lot of money um but what really strikes me is that you know transparency fine you know you can go online and see this it's all transparent but if this were so needed if this were a helpful thing and it might be maybe these are people who've, who've spent the past 20 years locked in their bedrooms researching how to deal with the pandemic and they're worth hiring at that price but if that were the case why wasn't the governor promoting that i mean we have daily for a long time we had daily press briefings that would go yes. on and on and on if this was such a great idea why was the governor not out there saying and here's another wonderful thing i've done i've brought in these consultants and maybe she wouldn't even tell you the price and you had to go online and get the the, the price from online that's that would be reasonable transparency but they're just kind of you know somebody has to stumble upon this fact if it were worth doing it would have been promoted because it would have been you know this this group is really going to help and that that's kind of that's kind of where i where i think that people need to look at this it's, it wasn't promoted it starts to feel like it was slipped in there for some reason folks coming up we are going to um touch on the somewhat of the bristol fourth of july parade also um, a lot more as the nursing homes continue to dominate that and the situation with the schools. It's all ahead with Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. AE Mazika Insurance Services, call today, free consultation. It's Scott and Alex, 401-353-9300. Folks, AE Mazika Insurance Services, located 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. But you can call, free consultation, 401 401- Three five three ninety three hundred. They're licensed Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Florida. It's very simple. They're going to help you and your family save money. And maybe it's on your home insurance or life insurance, business insurance, auto insurance, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Look for them on Facebook. They also have a great website. It's aemazika.com. Call them at 401-353-9300. What about if you save $200 a month? It's like giving yourself a raise. How about that? An extra $2,500 a year, maybe even more. And also, this time of year, make sure you're covered. Maybe it's for your motorcycle or your boat or jet skis or an RV or an off-road vehicle. 
AE Mazika Insurance Services. Call them today, 353-9300-401-353-9300. Let them help you save money. It all starts with one phone call. AE Mazika Insurance Services, 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. Why not? Let them help you save money. Give yourself a raise. 401 353-9300. Look for them on Facebook, and their website is aemazika.com. Hi, I'm Steve, owner of Water Filter Company. Do you know what my customers are not doing today? They're not standing in store lines waiting to get in to buy more bottled water, and they didn't have to scramble to get it when all this started. They're enjoying all the safe, clean water they want all year long. They're drinking it, cooking with it, bathing in it, doing everything in it except searching for it, rationing it, and now waiting in lines. As this crisis further restricts your freedoms and choices and store shelves empty, I hope you now realize how important it is to take control over your own water quality like thousands of my customers already have. Because when this crisis is over, your bad water quality won't be, and neither will your bottled water dependency. So ask yourself, do you think you're finally worth making a one-time investment for a lifetime of clean, safe water? If so, call my company. Call Water Filter Company at 294-2400. Water Filter Company, a Rhode Island family business since 1986. Water Filter Company, 294-2400. Because is it really worth going through all this? You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Our segment is Politics This Week with me is the managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, um, not a day goes by that I don't get uh, some kind of either a Facebook message or an email or some kind of a message uh, asking me to please ask the governor about the nursing home. I try to explain that a lot of times their questions have already been answered, but they, the, the problem is the people, they just don't, they don't like the answer. <laughs> but if there's one thing that has really stood out of this whole thing, it has been... Um, the severity of the situation with the nursing homes. And even now that we're quote in phase three, uh, we're in a different situation than Connecticut and Massachusetts. Yeah. The, well, the state is um, the, the controversy here is the state's decision to, to lock everything down. And that's where we kind of put our resources. And even early on, it should have been clear, you know, that this was a, going to affect vulnerable populations, especially the elderly, uh, more than, than the general population. And so some of the things they're now doing, you know, testing uh, additional money for staffing, they could have done early on and they should have done early on. Uh, that's, that's going to be when we, re- when we revisit this to, to assess how well we, we did or how well our government did. That's going to be one of the major question marks. Why did you shut down the economy and just instead of just uh, going after the problem itself. And now you, you hear the governor talking about how um, we need to go more toward senior care at home, which is fine. And in most cases, most, for most reasons, I agree with that, but it does start to make you feel like, well, that's going to create a no- whole new level of labor union jobs. And you see the labor unions out in the press with their, their quotes, quotes about why we need this. Uh, so I think it was a, just an initially a bad decision to, to not take care of this population. And now we're just kind of, you know, ambling along and, and it feels like politics as usual with the labor unions is just working its way back into it. The um, situation with the nursing homes, Justin, I mean, that, I think it also, I know that uh, this week they're going to start to allow more of the visitations, but I think it, I don't think enough has been paid attention. You know, the media has had such um 
I think some liberal, some media bias has come out of this because there's such a focus on the protest and how unfair and racism exists. But I think there's a real story there that still has not come out of the pain and suffering of family members that couldn't see people, couldn't go and hug them, uh, comfort them right before they were dying. I think to some of the younger members of the liberal media, that's just not a sexy enough story for them. They'd much rather carry, you know, the 20 teenagers that are marching around with a sign that says, I can't breathe. There were many people that can't breathe and they were all dying in the nursing homes. Yeah, there, there was, there was, uh, you do see some, some pictures online from families or this is my, or even in the news media a little bit, you know, this, this is the state of my, my father. He fell down multiple times. He's got bruises yes. all over him. When you've got something like that, it does become, uh, a, a more saleable story, but yeah, I think a lot of the, I mean, we, we talked about during the protests, uh, the, the younger reporters who were tweeting things like, you know, I'm so proud to have been a part of reporting this event. Yeah. Um, you don't see that kind of enthusiasm for a story, a story like, uh, you know, not people not being able to see their, their relatives in the, the nursing home. It's just that's more of a grind story where they have to go and they dig it up and they they build the story and they put it out. But it is it is a major concern. And I think part of the problem, too, uh, speaking of, you know, to the point of media bias, is a lot of the, the, the news media locally in a state were on the governor's side and, and to some extent towing the line. Yeah, I, I think they felt some obligation to do that, even beyond supporting the governor independently of, of that. And so this was a, this was a weak spot for her and for the government's response. And so to dig into that and make it a story would have seemed like challenging her her decision making, which it should have been. Uh, and I think that that played a role too, or at least it certainly feels like it did. Well, and if we want to talk about the media role in certain areas that the night of the protest when that Providence firefighter got up and basically, I mean, his story did not match up with the reality was uh, reading off his phone. The reporter from Channel 12 was patting him on the shoulder and comforting him and telling him he was so brave for doing this instead of asking real questions like, who wrote that? Do you own a firearm? Uh, you know, I mean, it, the, the role of, of being the reporter became the comforter more than the reporter. And then I found it amusing that last week that um, and again, the story, when you hear it, it sounds um, very serious. But a woman reported that she came home from work and found a noose in her garage in Pawtucket. And then when you you read the comments online, I think the only two people that actually believed the story were the reporter from Channel 10 and the reporter from Channel 12 that reported the story. Everyone else, it just seemed implausible that someone on a dead-end street would break into a garage, no sign of a break-in, climb up on a beam and hang this noose. Even the protective police didn't want to go on camera because they were suspect of the story. Then this, you have the person that contacts the media to let them know that this happened. Um, I, I, I find that um, because of you have the, the newspaper media reporters tend to be liberal biased, and I just find some of the television reporters, they tend to be young. They're not from here for the most part, tend to find them a little gullible and they kind of get caught up in the whole thing. And they don't really ask the questions that need to be asked, such as, are you, you know, two 15 year olds? Are you really the organizer of this protest? Did you meet with the police? Did you map it out? 
Instead, they just uh, they're happy, as they say, as you said, I'm just happy to be proud to be reporting on this story. Um, the reporter from, I think, Channel 10 on the news story even said stories like this make me sick. Well, how about instead try to flesh out like would that really seem possible that someone would break into a garage and maybe get caught and not steal anything and instead just hang a yellow noose? I mean, don't you find that some of the reporting could use a little more of a skeptical eye? Yeah, well, I, I don't. I'm not sure they teach skepticism that much in journalism school yeah. these days. I mean, it's it really, it's where the narrative just comes into play. The narrative that the media is on, and it's the the, the interesting question is whether it comes down from somebody or just sort of bubbles up as a everybody just sort of suddenly realizes this is the narrative. The narrative is racism and how it's everywhere, and people are doing things like hanging nooses. And, and so they go out and they find those stories. When they get a tip on that, they say, oh, this is great. This will be right on the news. It'll get my shot. I can interview the people. Uh, it might go national. It'll go viral. I'll... And it, it creates a very strong incentive for people to, to fake these these incidents, as we saw with uh, what's it, the actor uh, from Empire, Jesse Smollett. Um, Jesse Smollett, yes. Yeah, the that that incentive is there. And it seems like most times it's a a hoax or uh somebody either trying to get attention or somebody playing a prank not you know not a racially motivated thing uh and it it really they've created this sense that there's this epidemic out there and it's you you never get the follow-up story you know did this really happen i mean we're i mean you mentioned the the protest last month I, I still haven't heard anything about the guy who assaulted a police officer during that right. time. It's because the that's the narrative. The narrative is we're we're fighting racism. <laughs> you can't be on the sidelines for this. And it starts to get back to this idea of uh, anti-racism, where it's not good enough just not to be racist. You have to be opposing racism. Well, that's the standard. You're not going to get skeptical stories from news media because they consider that they have to be anti-racist. And if they start exposing hoaxes, for example, then they're not helping the anti-racist. And that's, I think that's going to be an increasing problem uh, up to the point that people just stop paying attention to the news media. And we're, I think we're seeing that more and more. I think you're right. And also just a quick follow-up, the, um, that firefighter, now I learned and got documents that he was actually violating protocol when he left the fire station, was even out in his car. Uh, they had three separate memos that I actually posted on the website that showed that that he was not supposed to be there. Because then if you think about it, when they had the body cam footage, he did not have a mask on. I, I don't know or think the person, the friend in the car had one. So if that person was exposed to the virus, they could have exposed him. And then he could have in turn exposed all the firefighters. So they had very strict memorandum that you were not supposed to be having outsiders and visitors and that did not even come out during the course of the uh, the investigation into that. And I also agree there was a very lengthy story about the riot. And it was trying to push this narrative that it was a really just a bunch of young people that had good attentions and got, kind of got caught up in the whole thing. And they didn't even cover the fact that the night of the riot, there was a very serious arson situation where they someone torched that St. Pierre shoe store with people living above it. And it wasn't even mentioned within, in the story because it didn't seem to fit the narrative that, you know, that, 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 that there was some just some confused teenage kids that got caught up in the moment. It was, it was far more than that, that people could have died in that. Uh, that is a, a that that's a serious crime. Arson, that's and if, if you degree. listen, 
if you if you you know listen broadly and talk to people, you, you do get hints that there were outside groups not necessarily orchestrating everything. Although the night of the riot, there were clearly a, a number of white young white men going up and down the streets yelling at people to, to stop being wimps and get off the sidewalk. Yes. Um, so that was clearly orchestrated. But even the, the larger protesters, there's, you know, there's hints and rumors of people coming from out of state to sort of egg on the locals. What are you all doing in Rhode Island? You know, you guys are doing nothing here to support you know, the cause, that kind of thing. And, and, and prodding them in that regard. And that would be a very interesting story, a yes. useful and helpful story to help people understand what's actually going on in the world. But that's yep. that's not the narrative. As you say, the narrative is the, quote, mostly peaceful protests orchestrated yeah. by young kids. Uh, and that's that's all it is. We're fighting racism. And that it's not news. It's it's advocacy. And it, I don't know what purpose it serves other than, uh, you know, the, the cause. Yeah. No, these are certain individuals. They, they would have been the one asking. Other than that, how is the theater, Mrs. Lincoln? I mean, that's to me what it kind of comes down to. Folks, coming up a lot more ahead, our segment is Politics This Week. Justin Katz, Manning Janitor, OceanStateCurrent.com. It'll all continue on the John DePietro Show next. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508 508- 336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA truck and trailer repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. Johnson Propane, folks, stop in and see Phil Johnson. You can call him at 621-8129, located 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. Now, right in front of Stop and Shop next to Wendy's, they're open seven days a week for all your propane needs. It's Johnson Propane. Propane tanks filled, plus they have tanks and supplies. Here's the thing with Johnson Propane. 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. They'll refill your Blue Rhino tank. Now, most of the time, if you bring it somewhere, they swap it out and they charge you 22 bucks. Not with Johnson Propane. Phil will refill that Blue Rhino tank for just $15. They're open seven days a week, right next door to Wendy's. Credit cards accepted. Nine to seven each day. Stop it and see Phil, and he never runs out. He's always backed up. Since 1971, you can depend. Johnson Propane. Bring in your propane tanks. 
Call him, 621-8129. Better yet, stop in and see him, 904 Manton Avenue of Providence, right in front of the Stop and Shop. The guy is a legend, and right next door to Wendy's, it's Johnson Propane. 